Hello, I'm Kenny White. I'm the Shakopee Campus Pastor, and it is great to be with you today. Uh, as you may know, Pastor Matt just started his sabbatical, so I'm taking requests on things in his office, so uh, just let me know. I'm kidding. That is not true. But I would ask, I'll be in prayer for Pastor Matt as he's taking this time to uh, grow in some educational things. And also he's going to be in Florida, so pray that the weather is like ours. And uh, I don't know. Try it out and see what happens. Um, no, this, this really is a sweet time and an encouraging time. And, and we're hoping that just in, in these days, as Matt and Erica get to spend some time with the Lord and some time doing some educational uh, uh, growth, um, that, that he'll just meet the Lord in some sweet ways. And so be in prayer for them. And I thought it'd be fun if we just all called him. I'm going to have this half call and this half text. Here's his number. No, <laughs> Just kidding. We're not going to do that. Um, but in all sincerity, this, this year has been... Um, one, I think, for many of us, that we have seen God do some really awesome things, some powerful things. We, for me personally, I would say uh, a couple of series ago when we were going through Mark, there was something that God, I don't know, just kind of grabbed a hold of my heart in some uh, fresh ways and in some familiar ways. And then as we dealt with the Holy Spirit, maybe better said, the Holy Spirit dealt with us. And then as we've gone into this God is series, I just... I don't know, there's been a stirring and a shaking in me that uh, I, I hope you have also experienced as well. And in one of those areas, it's been the matter of prayer. And I've, I've found, this probably isn't true for you, but for me, I, I'm kind of selfish. And I, I think of prayers like this, like, Lord, uh, keep me safe as I travel. That's not a bad prayer in and of itself, but can, can we just acknowledge who we're speaking to? The God of the universe, this holy, magnificent, amazing God who is sovereign and just and merciful and holy and loving and faithful. And I would go to in front of him and be like, uh, hey, God, could you keep me safe? He's like, yeah, I could do that. But I got so much more for you, Kenny. Like, you, that's all you want is safety? How about a relationship with me? How about knowing the depths of who I am? How about experiencing the salvation that I have offered to you? How about the victory over sin and death that you still sometimes wrestle with? How, don't you want that? And I just think that often our prayers stop short of what they could be. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And I, I want you to know that throughout our time together, we're going to have some pauses in the sermon and opportunity for you to pray where you are quietly. Now, uh, we have, this is a family service, and so we've invited our children into this service and instead of them being upstairs. And so, families, I'm going to ask that when we get to that prayer time, lead them through it as well. Help them uh, also to have a time. It'll be about a, a minute to a minute 15 um, uh, of walking through those prayers. But I uh, just want you to know that's coming up. And with that in mind, would you join me as we pray uh, together right now? Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your goodness. Lord, would you just today give us the spirit of wisdom, 
the revelation of the knowledge of you, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope to which you have called us, the riches of your glorious inheritance and the saints, the immeasurable greatness of your power toward us who believe according to the working of your great might that you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. And that you put all things under your feet. And, and Lord, you gave over to Jesus the head over all things, including the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all and in all. Lord, today we came to walk more closely with you, to experience you. And it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen. I know that in New Year's, it's common to have resolutions, and that's good and nice and great, and maybe those work for you. They work for me for like three days, but um, what, what I want to encourage us with today is to take some inventory, to take some time and really have the Lord calibrate our hearts to Him today. We've started this series some time ago called God Is. We talked about God's sovereignty, His justice and his mercy, his holiness, his love, and today we're going to talk about his faithfulness. And it's important that we see God in these things because we are so lacking faithfulness. And it doesn't matter what, what setting we want to talk about. We want to talk about work. Has anybody been at work where a promise was given that wasn't fulfilled? Anybody here? Everybody here? Okay. Uh, how about in our homes? That ever happened? I can, I can tell you a handful of times this past year where my kids asked me something. I said, yeah, 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 we'll do that with every intention on doing it. But something came up, and sometimes things come up. And they understood why we couldn't do it the way we were intending on doing it. But the fact is still, we didn't do it. Uh, that, that's the lack of faithfulness. Now, here is a God who can see all things and he recognizes what is coming up, and he can still make these promises and make them fulfilled and do it in Christ and offer it to us in Christ and fulfill that with his Holy Spirit that we're going to learn uh, more about in just a few moments. The time's short. I, I don't know if we're in the end times or if we can just see the end times from here, but I do believe that the time is short, and I want nothing more than to know him better. You and I can spend our time on uh, better income, better uh, uh, situations, updating our homes, getting nicer cars. Like, we can do all of that stuff, but in the end, what is really going to matter? This is just a short moment, a breath of eternity, but what we do now actually does matter. And so I want to challenge us to dig in. If you don't have a Bible, you're going to need one. We do have... Uh, some staff around the room. If you need a Bible, if you raise your hand, we will give you uh, scripture. Uh, if you didn't bring one, but you have your device, I want to encourage you. You can certainly use your device. I will say this, though. If you get your device out, that you stay with us. <laughs> uh, a few weeks ago, a friend of mine, he was uh, listening to the sermon, and then he, he sent me a message, and he said, 
hey, uh, that was great, but you said this one thing, and then I started Googling while you were talking, and I went down this rabbit trail, and, and I'm not sure what the rest of the sermon was about. And I said, well, that's fine. We record them. You should go back and listen. I'm not going to tell you since you did exactly what I told you not to do. So uh, I would just offer that same advice to you as well. Stay focused if you use your device. We are going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in just a few moments uh, but what I would like to do is let you see the flow of things. So here's, here's where we're going. We're going to talk about the fact that God is faithful. Even when we're not faithful, God is faithful. Uh, God is faithful and the certainty of his promises reveal that. You're going to see God makes promises and he delivers. Additionally, God is faithful. The fulfillment of God's promises in Christ that is such an important phrase, lest we think somehow we are bigger deals than we really are. Uh, every blessing that has been extended to us has been given to us by Christ and in Christ and for the glory of him. And we'll talk more about that. And then finally, God's establishment, anointing and seal. So we're going to talk about how God establishes his people, anoints them with his Holy Spirit. Uh, a phenomenal thing that we're going to dig into. Let's jump right in. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. If you have your Bibles with you, I would encourage you to get a pen out or a highlighter and just get ready. You will probably want to underline some things, highlight some things. You can never mark anything out of the Bible. That is really bad. Don't do that, okay? We're on the same page? The, okay, thank you, my family. Okay, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. As surely as God is faithful, our, our word to you has not been yes and no. Okay, so regarding God's faithfulness, he didn't say, uh, this is Paul speaking, and he's not saying, yeah, God's faithful sometimes, but not always. Eh. He's, he's not straddling the fence on this, okay? It's not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, Silvanus and Timothy, and I was not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. It's always yes in Christ. It's always fulfilled in Christ, in him. Isaiah says it this way in chapter 55, verse 11. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So God isn't flippant with his words. He doesn't waste them and he doesn't use them unnecessarily. God is purposeful. And the words that he speaks are going to come to fulfillment. They will happen. And more about that in just a moment. Hebrews 10.23 Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Faithful, it means it's going to be accomplished. It's going to be done. It will happen. Conservatively, over 300 prophetic verses about the coming Messiah, Jesus. His first advent, his first coming, that uh, he, would, he would come and dwell among us. Over 300, all fulfilled perfectly. Exactly. There's only a few left that have not been fulfilled, and that's regarding his return. If, if he can, with exactitude, fulfill those, 
in miraculous ways, I have no doubt that he's going to complete that, that which he promised he'd do. So he, we see that Jesus is, that the Messiah is going to be born of a virgin. Like, that sounds crazy. Uh, it's going to be a, he's going to be born in a specific place. How could that happen? And yet God fulfills his word exactly, perfectly. We know that if it's spoken, it's true. I want to wrestle with a few questions as we get ready to go into just a, a moment of quietness before God, a time where we're going to wrestle uh, with the Lord. Here's the first question. What promises of God have been hard for you to accept? What promises of God have been hard for you to accept? You're going to have to chew on that for a moment. Because you might be asking, well, what are some promises of God? Let me give you a few. I'll give you a few to chew on. God always keeps his promises. God created us and knows us. God created us for a purpose. God chose us. God is always with us. God never forgets us. God watches over us. God calls us to himself. God has a plan. Uh, God strengthens us. He helps us. God fights for us. God rewards us when we love our enemies. God is kind and cares for us. God always teaches and guides us. God is our hiding place and our refuge. God keeps us uh, safe while we sleep. God protects us from the evil one. Uh, not just that, but God keeps us in peace. God exalts the humble. God meets all our needs. God gives us rest. God always forgives us when we confess to him. God uh, gives us eternal life. God gives us victory over death. Jesus is yes to all of God's promises because he is the way, the truth, and the life. These are just some of the promises offered in scripture. Perhaps there are some others that you maybe struggle with that God loves you. That God has called you to his purpose, to his glory. That God has better plans for you than you have for you. What are some of the promises of God that have been hard for you to accept? Second question. How does accepting God's promises transform your fear to faith? When you say, actually, I think that this God of the universe who doesn't flippantly give out promises and says that he loves me actually does love me. The God who says he created me in his image actually did create me in his image. Like what happens? How, does those, how do those promises transform our fear into faith? I'm going to give you a minute now just quietly where you are or together with your family to wrestle through those two questions. Mark, set, go.
had another 10 seconds. There is the certainty of God's promises. If God promises it, it will happen. It will come to fruition. Additionally, the fulfillment of God's promises are in Christ. God fulfills those promises in Christ, and we have access to those promises through Christ. Not because of our works, but because of Him. It is paramount that we know that we are dwelling in Christ. The promises that have been given are accessible to us in him and him alone. Not because uh, we live in the United States, not because you go to Friendship Church, uh, not because you've been baptized uh, in the tank up here. Like that, that, That's not it. It's because we're in Christ. And so let's take a look at some of that. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, we're moving now to verse 20. For all the promises of God find their yes in him, Jesus. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen, let it be so, to God for his glory. Everything is through Jesus and in Jesus. Let's look at some supplemental passages. 2 Peter 1.4 By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. In other words, we have access to the divine nature, God's nature, because of the work of Christ. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desires. This world offers one thing, God offers something different. He offers purpose, he offers healing, he offers salvation. That salvation is in the now, it's also eternal, it's for always. It can't be taken away from us. Like, that's what we get in Christ. Death is what we get in this world, in this world of corruption. What we get in Christ is eternal life um, that we can experience now, not just that. But don't miss that we, es we have the ability to escape escape from this world of corruption. More on that in a minute. Romans 15, 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, the Jewish nation, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Look, there is this promise that was given initially that God would bless Abraham from Abraham, many nations, one nation in particular that God would use uh, specifically as a nation for the world to look on and see this God who is at work in the world that anyone who would call on him would be saved. And he sets up these uh, atoning sacrifices as a way of identifying when the Messiah would come and the Messiah would be the ultimate atoning sacrifice, making us at one with God. That happens in Christ. It doesn't happen without Christ. In other words, if we don't have Jesus, uh, we don't have salvation. Uh, if we don't have Jesus, we don't have access to the promises of God. Additionally, if we're not in Jesus, if we're not walking with him, the corruption of this world does affect us. And I would even say infects us. A couple of questions to consider. 
Do you ever seek God's promises without seeking Christ? Let's pause there. I hinted about this earlier, where someone will go on a trip and will say, I'll I'll pray for safety for you. That's a nice prayer. It's not a bad prayer. But let me suggest this, that if they get safety and they don't grow closer to Christ, meh. Uh, What if we start praying for uh, our family members, our children, as an example. I just, want my, I just want my kids to follow Jesus. I just want my kids to follow Jesus. And one of the identifiers is they're going to do right things. God, help my kids to do right things. Help my kids to be good. Help my, and, and maybe our kids are good, but if they're good without Christ, then what have we gained? And I think we need to reconsider how we're praying and what we're really seeking. Because oftentimes God is becoming this genie in a lamp that we're just rubbing. God, could I please have safety? Could my kids please follow you? Could I get this? I need a better job. Could I get a new car? Could I, could I, could I? It's like you're missing the point, Kenny, when you pray like that. We are missing the point when we pray like that. Do we understand that reality? Without Christ, like this is nothing. You get safety and then what? No Jesus? You, you get nice kids, but kids who are lost and going to hell? Is that good? I don't think so. So what do we do? Do you ever seek God's promises without seeking Christ? How can seeking Christ first lead you to God's promises? How can seeking uh, seeking Christ first lead you to God's promises. Let me suggest a few things. Uh, one is this. There is this spiritual reality that God gives us everything we need. And uh, we see this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. But we're seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness, Jesus. And then those things are added. We want to pray about, we want to seek the added things first, and maybe God will come with us. Dangerous. I have a friend, uh, when we were in college, all she could think about was getting married. If I could just get married, I just just need the right man. Oh, it'd be great if he loves the Lord. I really want him to love me. And uh, maybe, okay, uh, that's not happening. Maybe it was just a guy who's interested in me. I'll just pray and because I know that if I got married, I would be fulfilled. Do you see a problem with that? Absolutely. Now, this person prays God. God convicted of this. And she said, you know what? I need, I need to back away and I need to just seek the Lord. And wouldn't you know that as she sought the Lord, that person came into her life. Because God gives us what we need when we need it. And we seek first his kingdom because actually God knows better than we do. And this standard that's up here will become a standard way down here if we're seeking the thing and the stuff. Seek Christ, that's different. So I want to give you a minute. Do you ever seek God's promises without seeking Christ? If so, confess that to the Lord. Yep. And over the course of the last year, here's how I can think I did that. Forgive me, God, and repent. That, that means turn away from it. Stop it. <laughs> Don't do it anymore. And seek God, specifically. How can seeking Christ first lead you to God's promises? I want to give you a minute to wrestle through that uh, right now. Mark, set, go.
about another 10 seconds. God is faithful. That which he speaks is true and is yes, it will happen. There is a certainty of God's promises. Those promises are certain in Christ. In other words, Christ the one who fulfills them, who allows them to, be, to happen and also accessible to us because of him, because we can't do it in and of ourselves. There is bad news. The bad news is we're all sinners. I've sinned, you've sinned. I even heard a story about Matt sinning one time. It's crazy. I'll share it another time, I promise. Um, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that's the bad news because it separates us from a God who loved us and created us for purpose and with purpose and had an intention for us to follow him and to know him and to walk in him. That, that sin separated us from that God. And the image bearers, the image of the image bearers was shattered. It's like looking at broken glass. Yeah, you can kind of make out a picture, but it doesn't look quite right. And that's the bad news. That sin separates us from God. But God came in the flesh. God walked amongst us, and his name is Jesus. And this Jesus, when he walked amongst us, he lived this life of faith dedicated to the Father, willing to do that which he was called to do, which was to go to the cross for my sins and your sins. And on that cross, he took up all of my sin and all of your sin. It's on that cross. And he was willing to do that, that we would be made right with God. And Jesus, he didn't, he didn't stay dead. Like they, sin and death couldn't keep him down. He was the first among the resurrected, a promise that is given to all people who would call on his name and follow him. And that eternal life is not something we have to wait to the end. Like, we get that when we die. Nope, uh, it starts now. It's in real time now. And I'm going to show you what I mean by that in this next section, God's establishment, anointing, and seal. What I'm about to tell you, we may be so inoculated to that we might overlook it, read it a thousand times and go, hmm, that's pretty cool. But I want to tell you what, what we're about to talk about is life-changing. It is life-giving. It's life-altering. It's, I'm going to say it's otherworldly. It's supernatural. And it calls God's people into a different lifestyle. Watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 21. And it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And you said, that's cool. No, it's way more than cool, you guys. This is supernatural, what I'm talking about. This is otherworldly stuff. Hang on. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says it this way. It kind of fleshes it out a little bit more. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, you're a sinner and you needed a savior. That God came in the flesh and he died on the cross for your sins. He paid a debt that I couldn't pay, that you couldn't pay. That we, like, it was beyond us. He did that. And all who call on his name are saved. Okay, 
So when you heard that word, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, and that's not just informational, yeah, there is a God, and yeah, but Jesus probably did that, and that's true. No, it's a trust relationship. Like, okay, not only did you do that, Jesus, you did that for me. Like, you loved me enough that you did that. You called me to yourself because you love me, and you want to transform me into your image, and this lowly person who in and of himself was dead in sin, you raised up and called to yourself and transformed into his image. Like That's mind-blowing right there. And we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. <laughs> you guys, the Spirit of God dwells in us? Are you kidding me? Let's back up. In the beginning, God created the earth. There was nothing. There was nothing. And God just spoke and it happened. That's pretty amazing. Before time, God. How's that work? I don't know. I'm not God. Can't explain it. I didn't know it's true, though. What else do we know? Okay, so uh, this God, uh, he created something out of nothing. And then uh, this God, let's fast forward, he calls Abraham out and he says, hey, I'm going to make something special of you and your children. And he's like, I'm 90 years old. What do you mean, my children? Now look around, God. And God says, I know something you don't know. And I'm going to make something happen that you've never seen. And you're going to have children in your old age. You're going to have a child in your old age. And nations are going to come from you. And those who bless you are going to be blessed. And those who curse you are going to be cursed. And God does this amazing thing. And then and then these, this group of people are slaves in Egypt. God, with a mighty hand, rescues them. Now, in rescuing him, in rescuing them, he shows up in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. It's so amazing that the scriptures record uh, that, that God is about to go speak to the people, and the people, with one accord, like in unity, go, no, uh, Moses, you, you, you talk to God. He's scary. Like, he is this God that is cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night that when he moves, we move. When he calls us to himself, we do what he says. That the mountain, just the place where he was, was so holy. If anybody touches it, they die. Like, no, thank you. You talk to him, Moses. That God came in the flesh. That's awesome. But even more, that God, that Holy Spirit is given to uh, his people those who would call on him, how miraculous is Like, when, when the children of Israel read the prophecies from Ezekiel and Joel, and there are things like, oh, my spirit's going to be poured out on you. They might have went, uh, uh, on all people. They might have went, wow, that's, that's amazing and kind of terrifying. And then Ezekiel says, yeah, and my spirit will indwell you. That must have just blown their mind. Like, are you kidding me? That holy God, that magnificent God, that God who is so mighty and powerful is going to indwell me. That God who can call a nation out of the most powerful nation in the world into the promised land. That God, when, when the nation of Israel had fear and said, eh, 
they're giants in that land. I don't think we should go. He addresses the people and he also tells them, it's not about you. It's about me. I'm giving that land to you. There is a victory that they receive not because of their works, but because of God's work. That God is going to indwell people? What? What could that people not do? And that's the question. Oh, what can you not do? Because i got to be honest with you. I'm going to get some emails for this. Sorry, Matt. i got to be honest with you. I'm tired. I I'm sick. I'm sick of seeing it in my life, and I'm sick of seeing it in the people of God who's been given victory. I say, I just can't get victory over this pornography. Well, stop doing it. Why don't you trust in God? I can't get victory over this anger. Well, why don't you trust God? Because I got to believe that the God who can call a nation out of Egypt and into the promised land, the kind of God who can show up in the flesh and go to the cross and pull up my sin onto that cross and call us to himself and give me his spirit. I got to believe that that God that dwells inside of me can give victory over those type of things. Do you think anything less? We, I get it. It's new. This is a new day. What we're talking about here is life-giving. It's otherworldly. It's supernatural. And the people of God need to embrace the Spirit of God and let the Spirit of God do His work. Ah, he doesn't want you in sin and death. Like, those days are gone. This is a new day. Let's look at this like, okay, 2023, those days are gone. Jesus, I'm going to trust you in a new way, and I'm going to trust you for victory in these places where I have just said, oh, this is what the world does. This is how it is now. I can't get victory. I guess I need more of this or more of that, or if I just went here or did that or went there, and I got to say, you know what? There are saints, like this last hundred years has been one of the largest centuries of martyrdom. People giving their life for Christ. And people who, who, are, who are telling me, and I, I understand where this is coming from, but when people are telling me, like, you don't know how toxic my work is, and it is hard for me to be a Christian there, I go, i got to believe that the Christians in Iran are dealing with toxicity in ways that we are not. And they're willing to give their lives in many cases. And that the spirit that indwells them is the same spirit that indwells me. It is the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And there is victory that we can have. Today's the day couple of questions for you to wrestle through. If you are anointed and have the Holy Spirit in your heart, what keeps you from trusting God's promises for you in Christ? What keeps you? Let, let me make some suggestions. One of the things that may keep you from experiencing the promises of God in Christ is that you don't know the promises of God in Christ. What am I saying? I'm saying that we often spend more time in other things and not enough time in the Word. That, that could be. That could be one of the reasons. Another one could be that we prioritize things above God. Could be. If so, confess that to the Lord. As, the Lord, as you confess that to the Lord, turn from it. Repent 
and call on him. Additionally, what's your next step of faith? For some of you, it's baptism. For others, it's sharing your faith. For others, what, what is it? Some, it might be full-time ministry for some of you. Uh, what is God calling you to do? What's that next step? Just do the next step of faith and see what God will do. I'm going to give you a minute to wrestle through that. I'm not saying that God's people are perfect or that life is going to be easy. What I am saying is there's opportunity to trust God in ways that perhaps we have justified not trusting God. What I'm suggesting is that there is a unity that we have in Christ and access to his promises that are in Christ when we seek him. Let this new year be something new. Let, let it be special where you experience God and in familiar ways and in fresh ways. Let God do a work in you. He wants to. Like it's not for lack of one on his part. And watch and see what God might do.